Welcome to Bodcast, the business of dentistry podcast, brought to you by Practice Plan. Bodcast delivers the best business advice, real life stories, and practical hints and tips to make your practice a more profitable and sustainable business. And now, here's your host. Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Bodcast. Uh, my name is Johnny Drury, and today I'm joined by Nigel Jones. Welcome, Nigel. Thanks for uh, thanks for your time. Would you like to sort of introduce yourself and explain a little bit a little bit about your role here at, at PPG? Yeah, hi, Johnny. Yeah, my name is Nigel Jones. I'm sales and marketing director at PPG, which means I have responsibility for all the face-to-face contact that we have with practices. Although face-to-face at the moment doesn't mean quite what it used to mean. Um, but uh, the team of people that would ordinarily be out and about visiting practices on a daily basis, whether that's in respect of dental plans um, through practice plan and DPAS, or if it's in respect of patient finance through Medenta. I, I also have responsibility for the marketing department here at PPG, uh, which means that um, I'm uh, responsible ultimately for the way that we um, uh, project ourselves to our, our um our colleagues and clients um, in the dental world. And uh, also we provide some some direct support for practices in the form of um, design services for their own individual marketing needs. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, the topic we're gonna talk about today is the topic sort of can never get away from. It is one that's always on the tip of all our tongues is is, um, sort of NHS. And, you know, at the moment it's, uh, very confusing situation, stressful situation for many, many dentists and, uh, and many practices. And I know, obviously, the NHS is a lot different to what it was before the pandemic, and it's going to change with contract reform. And I think the overall overarching question is, you know, does NHS dentistry want to get back to normal? We know there's going to be changes down the line. Um, is there going to be a, an NHS new normal, or, or does the NHS even want to, to get back to, to, to normal, if that's uh, just to coin that phrase? Uh, it's, it's a it's a really interesting question because I guess you've got different stakeholders that have a vested interest in in NHS dentistry and come at it from different perspectives. So um, I think uh, patients obviously um, are not going through dental practices in the same volumes that they once were. And when you bear in mind that access to NHS dental services has been identified as a priority for successive governments of various persuasions, then um, that suggests that's something that the public wants and the public can't necessarily get quite the same access that they um, used to. And um, I think that's an interesting one to see how that pans out in the longer term. Obviously, we've seen in England the the, uh, activity targets being raised from 20% up to 45%. And I suspect they'll go up again in some form. I'm not exactly sure how, but they'll go up again in some form um, over the next few weeks and months. Um, and the question, I think, is, is whether or not it can potentially get back to 100% of what it was pre-pandemic. And uh, at the moment, I'm finding that quite hard to imagine because I think some form of the safety measures will have to remain for the foreseeable future, even after the um, the, the coronavirus is, is or current coronavirus is under um, some degree of control. So. Uh, I'm not sure that it can actually get back to um, providing the same level of access for the same funding that it used to before. So that, that I think, might well be a challenge for, for some within the general public. I think for the dental profession, it's, it's an interesting one because 
I, you know, I've, I've spent decades working with um, dentists who have sought to uh, reduce their reliance on the NHS and have uh, either a largely or entirely um, private practice. And um, most of the time, they're not doing that with the intention of increasing their income. Yeah, there are some exceptions inevitably, but most people are doing that because what they want to do is have a slower pace of life, to see fewer patients, but to spend more time with those patients so that they can um, build stronger relationships, communicate more effectively than they perhaps could do on the NHS treadmill. Um, and, and that has some, some really important additional benefits, which is if you're able to build stronger relationships and you're able to communicate more effectively, it helps mitigate some of the, the risks of complaints and potentially litigation. So it, it's interesting that for most dentists historically that have decided to go private, the aim has been to try and see half the number of patients that they would normally have seen. And here we are in a pandemic when actually that's almost been forced on NHS dentists to see less than half of the number of patients they would normally see. And certainly some of the feedback that we're getting would suggest that actually the thought of returning back to something approaching the pre-pandemic levels is quite intimidating for a, a number of dentists who perhaps had a, a bit of a, a, a hands-on taste of, if you can have a hands-on taste, of, um, of what, what life as a private dentist might be like. So we're definitely, definitely getting a lot of feedback from NHS dentists who are saying they are dreading the thought of going back to something remotely approaching um, normality. So I think that's going to be a challenge. And then you've got the, the other um, key stakeholder in this. You've got patients, you've got the profession, and then you've got government and the NHS. And I'm, I'm unclear, if I'm being brutally honest, as to, to what their objective would be. Pre-pandemic, whilst there was um, universal recognition of the shortcomings of the NHS contract in England, at least, um, there'd been relatively little progress to coming up with a reformed contract, something that addressed some of the deficiencies that were identified uh, as, as long ago as 2009, 2010. And um, I, I think that slow progress could be simply a factor of just how complex it is to change the NHS dental contract and come up with something that um, suits all those stakeholder groups. But um, it could also be because actually the current contract maybe suits government. It, it's a lot more controllable in terms of expenditure and um, they, they can't get hit by the kind of shock they were hit with in the early 90s, for example, which ultimately led to them having to abruptly cut um, gross fees to dentists by, by 7%. They've, they've got a degree of control over what they spend on dentistry in, in, um, in England. And uh, I, I'm not sure they will be in a hurry to move away from that. But I also don't think that they can ignore the, the fact that the world has changed forever now and that the a contract that was already not fit for purpose is, is even less fit for purpose than it previously was, given the, the likely um, new normal, as you referred to it. So um, I, I think they will accept there is a need for change, if not transformation, and that actually the urgency of that is quite high. Whether or not they want it uh, is is debatable. And that's, you know, I think you've covered my second question there as well, in terms of how you see that, you know, you hear a lot about contract reform. Do you think that's something that's going to, you know, inevitably it has rumbled on for a long, long time? Um, judging from what you just said there, it seems like 
the NHS are seemingly happy that it rumbles on a little bit longer because of it seems like they're happy with that control almost. Uh, I yes, I I think um, definitely. I mean, they're in a situation where the the relative um, uh, financial um, commitment they were having to make was uh, reducing patient charges going up uh, ahead of inflation quite substantially, and um, uh, and, there, and therefore, although the total spend on NHS dentistry may have been going up, a lot of that was coming from patients and not government. So that they were um, spending less financially, but arguably exerting more and more control. So in that situation, why would they particularly want to change it? But uh, the world has changed around them. So I think they will have to, to think differently. And I think it's a really interesting time because I, I think they have an opportunity to, to, to radically um, uh, reappraise their whole approach to dentistry and where it fits into wider healthcare. Now, historically, dentistry has always tended to sit um, to one side. And if you look at the mentions of dentistry within the recent white paper that was looking at uh, what a future NHS might become, it still felt more token references than, than a, a substantial involvement of dentistry. And yet we look at um, things like um, the, uh, this concept of integrated um, care and, and the incredible role that dentistry could play within um, that sort of setup. Uh, you know, I still find it absolutely amazing that uh, more than 50% of the population turn up routinely for what is, to all intents and purposes, a health screening and a health screening that the vast majority of them have to pay for and a health screening that could result in um, more cost and potentially some degree of discomfort or pain as a result of it. And yet more than half the population turn up for that. So there's something about how that could be harnessed for the benefit of the wider NHS that uh, I think the government could could look at more vigorously than certainly it appears that they're doing at, at the moment. However, if, if I was a betting man, I would I would suggest that it, it's maybe suited historical governments for dentistry to be left to to somewhat wither on the vine. And uh, at the moment, I'm I'm not really getting any sense that 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 strategy will change. Um, and just a, just aside from that, we've heard a couple of people say in, in recent months, obviously the We've seen the emergency sort of care centres that were set up on the back of coronavirus that have dealt with the, the more serious um, serious cases. Um, a, a few commentators have said that that might be a way forward, that the NHS will almost prioritise or treat the emergency cases first rather than routine, routine appointments. Have you sort of gauged anything around that or have you heard any rumblings about that or, or, or have you got any sort of opinions on that? Again, it's a very interesting question because in terms of the future structure of um, NHS dental services, the, the talk of a core service that's, that's um, been, been there in the background for my entire career, which is over 30 years now in dentistry. So um, it, it's not a new topic, but it, it seems to be moving from the background to the foreground now. And there's a lot more um, open discussion around what a core service might, might mean. Yes, there's the core service attracts core funding issue that needs to be considered, but also what type of core service are we talking about? Are we talking core service in terms of the range of treatments that are available, or are we talking core service in, in terms of the patient groups who will be eligible for NHS care, um, NHS dental care? And uh, I, I suspect it's going to be, uh, if, if it happens, it will be a hybrid of the two. What's without a shadow of a doubt is that Professor Jimmy Steele's um, review back in 2009 
uh, highlighted um, effectively a hierarchy of, of, of treatment um, that became uh, less of a priority for the public purse. And um, it started with public health and then moved on to urgent care and, and basically getting people out of pain. So I do think that will always be a priority for NHS dentistry. Um, it's just a question of whether that um, is available um, universally or just for, for priority groups. And the priority groups, I think, will inevitably be children uh, entirely appropriately. There are going to be adults on income support and um, it would be um, other um, adults in, in certain situations, say, for example, care home residents or um, vulnerable adults, um, drug users, that kind of thing. So I, I think we, we could see some a, a form of NHS dental services in the future that does prioritise urgent care, building on the, the success of the urgent um, dental centres that came out when we, we first um, encountered the pandemic, um, but moves towards focusing on different patient groups um, in the future. Now, I, I, I say that not because I would um, uh, put a huge amount of money on it happening, but more because more and more people are talking about that as being the logical way forward. And there are some examples from across the globe of um, uh, uh, the equivalent of NHS dental services being focused on priority groups. So there is precedent. And I think um, whilst I don't think it's a certainty, I think it's more likely that something like that could happen now as a result of the pandemic than at any time in the previous three decades. And just um, just finally, I know it's an issue I think we touched on in conversations before um, and it's sort of recruitment issues and um, and there's a whole sort of that's a whole topic in itself really as strands you know Brexit's affecting it and other things are affecting it and the pandemic as well you know dental nurses leaving the industry and, and all, all this stuff do you think that recruitment issues will help to shape that future NHS or what a future NHS might look like and do you think the NHS might have to think differently about different things because of people leaving the industry or people not coming into the industry? Yeah, I think that's a that's a really interesting question. And um, it's not one to which I have a, a nice, succinct answer, really. Um, I, I do think workforce issues and workforce planning um, is, is so important and becoming more important almost daily. Um, what, what I'm not clear about is, is um, how you can address the challenges with the speed that might be required by the current circumstances. What, what we, we know is that um, the number of dentists on the, uh, the register has, has steadily increased over the years. But what's less clear is what's happened to the number of full-time equivalents, because we know there's been an increase in the number of part-time dentists. So whilst the number of actual dentists might have been going up, the number of clinical hours may have been going down. And then if you add to that um, factors such as um, the, the early retirement, there's a lot of dentists choosing to retire from the profession earlier than they'd originally planned. If you um, look at uh, factors like Brexit, the fact that there could be um, fewer European dentists willing to come or to stay within the UK in, in, in the light of Brexit. When you start thinking about even in the in the short term, in Scotland, we already know that um, final year students are going to be delayed for a year. So that what's that going to do for the supply of new dentists? So there's a, a lot of factors um, that are affecting the supply of dentistry. And that that's before we even look at the reduced patient throughput that might be um, 
encountered on a long-term basis because of um, safety measures. So the supply of dentistry is going down, but demand seems to be seems to be going up. Um, certainly, demand for cosmetic dentistry seems to be escalating. We see that ourselves with our our patient finance company, Medenta, and um, uh, I, I think. Uh, one of the things that the whole pandemic has, has taught us is to value our health. And I think people are valuing oral health. And there's been countless displays of loyalty to um, their dentist from patients that would suggest that it's not something they, they want to give up lightly. So you've got this supply of dentistry going down, this demand for dentistry going up. So it, it ren lends itself to some really interesting um, strategic questions about what to do about the supply how can you encourage more people to consider dentistry as a career how can you cater for an increased student population how can you handle the foundation element of um, their training um how how do you um uh, i mean we're in a, in, a, in a dreadful state where i mean when i first came into the profession there were loads of dentists who were the sons and daughters of dentists but you, you don't see that happen. Now. If anything, you see um, uh, dentists actively putting off their children from entering the profession. So there's, there's a, a real big thing that I think we need to, to think about in terms of how we we make um, dentistry a profession that people really aspire to and really want to go into. I still think it remains an amazing profession. But then within that, you, you've got things like the role of therapists and the role of hygienists. And you're absolutely right to mention dental nurses. Dental nurses have had a bit of a torrid time, I think, during the course of the pandemic. When you think about what they have to wear in terms of PPE, it's a much more uncomfortable place to work. Um, when you look at some of the requirements that have been increasing on them in regards to CPD and the demands for, for them furthering their, their education and their development, it, it's, it's quite, um, quite a, a tough um, uh, job to have now. And yet you look around and you can see that they could potentially get better paid and better working conditions elsewhere. So again, it's not just dentists and hygienists and therapists, it's the wider dental team that we need to engage and infuse and inspire to be involved in, in dentistry. Otherwise, I, I do fear for how we're going to um, cater for that demand that I was talking about. Fantastic, Nigel, thank you as always. I know you've got a really busy schedule, so it's great to to, for you to take some time out for us to, to talk about all these issues. I think it's about 15 minutes, but uh, so much information in that that people can uh, can take for the NHS. So thanks for your time, Nigel. Really appreciate that. Um, and thank you to everyone who has listened to this latest episode of podcast.